If you didn't bring a Bible, there's a blue one underneath the seat you're sitting in. You can reach down there and pull out that blue Bible. Um, and so, I, yeah, as I said, I'm the pastor of Preaching and Vision, but I'm not preaching this morning. Uh, our, our friend John Kang, who is our uh, creative minister, is going to be preaching the word for us this morning. It's the first time that he's ever preaching on a Sunday morning, right? We only let him talk to students because we don't trust him at all. Um, and this morning, somehow, I don't know how, he got, he, wheeled, he wiggled his way in here. And so I have no idea what's going to come out out of his mouth. I'm really scared, but uh, I'm just kidding. He's going to do an amazing job. Uh, he preached at our 915 and just did an incredible, incredible job uh, preaching out of 2 Corinthians um, chapter 3 this morning. And so if in those blue Bibles, it's on page 1067. 1067 um, is where John's going to be leading us this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, when you get there, here at Flourishing Grace, we believe this is the word of God, and as, it, and as it is read in this place, the Spirit empowers us as followers of Jesus to receive this word. Um, and so in honor and reverence to it, would you stand with me as I read it for us this morning? And maybe just as I begin, if you just say a quick prayer, the Spirit would illuminate this word in your heart this morning. 2 Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letters of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you, and you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. Thanks, Josh. And they just let anyone preach up here, huh? Man, I am excited and delighted to be sharing the word with y'all uh, this morning. Like Josh said, my name is John, and I'm typically doing music uh, up here. But today I have the special privilege of being able to share the word and a message uh, to you guys. And uh, man, what, what a way to kind of wrap up a year of ministry uh, for those of you who've just been here since I've been here. And it's been a whole year since me and my wife, Abby, moved here to Utah. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is crazy to think. It's, it's one of those like simultaneously, it's been really slow, but also really quick. Um, and uh, yeah, this is just such a fun way to kind of uh, culminate uh, this first year of ministry by just preaching uh, this word that God has given us this morning. And so, uh, man, I, I'm desperate for his power. I'm desperate for his presence in this place. And so uh, to that end, I want to pray for us, and then we'll get into it. Yeah, God, you, you are worthy of all of our praise, and, and we pray that everything that we've sung to you in, in this moment, in this time that you've given us, has been true in our hearts and I pray that as we uh, dive into your word and into, into your truth, that you, would, that you would soften our hearts, God, that you would remove the scales from our eyes to be able to see you clearly, to see you beautifully. We need your help. We need your spirit. Uh, 
And so, Holy Spirit, would you have your way in this place? Open our hearts to, to hear what you have to say, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, as Josh said, we are in a series called Citizens of the Gospel. And, uh, man, we've heard so many things in this series, uh, ranging from, uh, man, what, what we ought to do, you know, as believers, what are our responsibilities as citizens of the gospel, uh, all the way up to, like, man, we need to be citizens who abide in Christ. And, and today, I want to talk about the confidence that we have in that, the confidence that Christ has given us. And so, uh, just as a little mental exercise for you guys, I, I want you all to think of a time in your life that you just lacked confidence. And for some of you, there's like that one moment, it's like, oh yeah, I remember that, it's, it's this. And some of you might have to dig a little bit, but I want y'all to think about a time that you lacked confidence. I'll go ahead and share. So for, for me, uh, like it's a very, very vivid feeling. Uh, it's any time that I like walked into like a middle school cafeteria, right? Like the first day of middle school and you have your tray and you're just like, this is the worst feeling of my life, you know? I don't know where my friends are. I don't even know if I have friends. And the worst part about it is it's not just when I was in middle school. Like, if you put me in a middle school cafeteria today, I would feel the exact same way. Like, all these little eyes are looking at me and judging me and thinking I'm some sort of knockoff like Draco Malfoy or something like that, you know? <laughs> but, but legitimately, you know, I'm just thinking about when I was in middle school, just that feeling of, man, I have no confidence uh, I was a super angsty emo kid with like, you know, the swooped hair over my face and all that. And I didn't really have a lot of friends. Um, and really, I, I didn't know Jesus. This was before I knew Christ. Uh, and I just, I just lacked so much confidence. There weren't things in front of me that I could put my confidence in. Uh, but, but when we do have confidence, it's so much easier to put our confidence in things that we can see, right? Um, and, and what do we see in front of us? Man, we see money. We see convenience we see sex, we see politics, relationships, knowledge. And, and really, for a lot of us, we see ourselves. We see our own efforts. We see our own work. We put so much confidence in the things that we bring to the table. And we, we do this so much so that there's this old adage that I think precisely captures this mentality. It says this, that we are all self-made men who worship our creator. Wow. Now, we, we trust so much in the things that we bring to the table and the confidence that we have in ourselves that we actually begin to worship ourselves. We can be honest in this place. Is anyone guilty of that, trusting in your own efforts? Yeah, that's a lot of us. For those of you who aren't raising your hands, maybe we need to fact check you a little bit. But, uh, but legitimately, I mean, we do this all the time. We find confidence in our own efforts. We find confidence in all these other things. And the unfortunate thing about this is that for any of us who have lived any amount of life, we know that these things can and will fail us. Whether it's not having enough of something, whether it's too much of something, maybe it's something that you have that is being taken away. We've all felt the effects of the brokenness of this world. We've all felt the effects of misplaced confidence. I promise we're a happy church. We're not going to stay on this for too long. But um, so, so where, do we, where can we place our confidence if we know that all these things are misplaced? Well, that brings us to kind of the first point that we see in the text here this morning. It's this, that confidence is found in Christ alone. Confidence is found in Jesus Christ alone. This is not a thought. This is not a concept. This is an actual truth. 
And you'd think that for, for all of us who have been in church for a long time and we've read our Bibles and we know the stories and we've seen and heard this truth all around, that we would be more prone to actually put this into practice, that we would be more prone to live this out. But man, is it tough. Amen. It is so hard to place our confidence in Jesus and in him alone. Now, I won't get into all the ways that uh, we can you know, do this uh, because I, I think that Every week, Pastor Josh and the rest of our preaching team do a really good job of giving us practical things that we can do that will cause us to grow confident in Christ. And, and so today, just for this moment, I want to I focus on one thing, and that is humility. This idea of humility is coming straight from verse 5 here. It says, that not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. This is true humility. It's that acknowledging that what you bring to the table is not going to cut it, but that God has made us sufficient. That true confidence is rooted in humility. You can't be confident in Christ without being humble. The two things are inextricably linked. They cannot be separated. It's like, a, it's like peanut butter and jelly. It's like mac and cheese. It's like, a, I don't know, pineapple and pizza. Does that trigger some of you guys in here? Um, can you tell that I'm hungry? I'm, I'm really ready for lunch, so I'll try to make this short so we can all get there. But, um, but, but legitimately, I mean, confidence and humility, they seem like a, opposing ideas, right? Like, how can you hold your head high in confidence yet have a low view of self? How can you hold your head high in confidence while at the same time embracing the fact that you have nothing to offer? And what does this confidence actually look like? Well, one of the ideas that I've kind of taken from, uh, especially the New Testament and all these letters that Paul has written to the various churches all over the places that he has been, I call it Pauline swagger, right? That the Apostle Paul has this swagger about him that you notice in all of these letters. You know, he, he speaks with such conviction and such authority in Jesus, and he boasts in Jesus alone, even though he has so many other things that he could possibly boast in. My favorite example of this is in Philippians 3, and it'll be on the screen for us here. Um, but in his letter to the Philippians, he says, starting in verse 3 of chapter 3, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And then he takes a little turn here. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. And he goes on to say, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Uh, and then he just lists off all these things. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Isn't this kind of the craziest humble brag you've ever heard in scripture, right? Like I know some humble braggers. Some of you in the room are humble braggers, but this is crazy. It almost was like, I can't help myself. I need to tell you, list all my credentials, right? I think a lot of us do that too. But then he turns the corner right here in verse 7, and he says this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ. Wow. 
Wow, see, this is the kind of confidence that I want to have in Jesus. I want to be so confident in him that I would count everything else in my life as lost. Those things don't matter. They're not worth the same thing as Jesus. That he would be so supremely valuable in my life and that I'd have such a clear understanding of him that I would not need anything else. Well, how do we get there? How, how How can we be that confident? Well, here's our point. The clearer he is to you, the more confident you are in him. I'm going to say that again. The clearer he is to you, the more confident you are in him. The more clearly that you see Jesus, you can grow in your confidence in him. Now, a lot of us, uh, whether you're a Christian or not, a lot of us are kind of guilty of doing this, myself included, where we read the Bible or we hear all these stories and uh, we tend to kind of see it through like a black and white filter or like a sepia filter over it, right? Like it's an old-timey thing and everything just seems dated and old and all the things that we read in Scripture. Well, well that happened in the past and that doesn't really happen anymore. Um, and we don't really think of it as what uh, the book of Hebrews would call God's Word as living and active. But in fact, we actually look at it as more dead and frozen. And what you've got to understand here is that Um, That is our normal, natural, sinful state. That without the Holy Spirit, without God in our lives, we can't see the beauty of the gospel. But something happens when you place your faith in Jesus. God gives you a helper in the person of the Holy Spirit that reveals to you the beauty and the glory and the majesty of the gospel. And in the case of Paul, the apostle himself, his receiving of the Holy Spirit quite literally caused him to see Jesus clearly. And so there's a story in the book of Acts um, where we see Paul during the most harsh and violent of his persecution of the early church. Uh, He was met by Jesus in an encounter on the road to Damascus. Is anyone familiar with this story? Yeah, and and as a result of this encounter, um, he goes completely blind and he doesn't eat anything and can't drink anything. And uh, what's crazy about this is that he was so confident in what he was doing before this moment. He was so confident that Jesus was a heretic and that all of his followers needed to be killed. He was so confident in his responsibility as a Pharisee, all those things that he had listed before in the book of Philippians. And what happens? He's faced with Jesus. And all that confidence goes away. It's stripped away. And so the Lord arranges a meeting between the Apostle Paul and a faithful man named Ananias uh, who was to restore his sight. Now, Ananias, uh, understandably, was a little bit skeptical, uh, but met with Paul. uh, And this is what happens. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Wow. And Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit and then his sight was restored. He was able to see clearly, not just Ananias who was right in front of him, but he could clearly see Jesus 
and his goodness and his graciousness towards him. Jesus was clear to Paul. And my favorite part about the story is what happens next, is that Paul hadn't eaten in days. He's just now regaining his sight. Um, And what does he do? He doesn't wait to get better. But as he's recovering, the book of Acts says that he goes into the synagogues of Damascus and starts preaching Jesus. That he doesn't wait to like get his strength up. He doesn't lay low for a little bit because to be honest, if I were him, I'd lay low. I was just killing these guys a few days ago, right? But he, he goes right into the synagogues and he cannot help himself but to preach the good news of Jesus. And this is because Jesus was so clear to him that all of his confidence that he had in himself was stripped away as soon as he met Jesus face to face. And all of a sudden, he could be confident in Jesus and preach about him. And this is actually one of the purposes for our confidence is that we preach him. Now, maybe our stories won't be as captivating or as miraculous as the Apostle Paul's. But if you have the Holy Spirit, Jesus will become clearer to you. He will. And when he does, you will be more confident in him. And when when that happens, that leads us to our next point. And it's this, the more confident you are in him, the clearer he is in you. Again, the more confident you are in Jesus, the clearer Jesus is in you. When you're confident in the Lord, people take notice. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I became a Christian when I was a sophomore in high school. And uh, after that day that that I gave my life to Jesus, all of my closest friends at school saw that there was something different about me. And this wasn't because I was going around to them and proselytizing them and shoving the gospel down their throat. That's not what I was doing. In fact, um, I didn't really speak much about Jesus at all. But what they noticed was that there was a marked assuredness about me, that they could tell that I had placed my confidence fully in Jesus. Now, I didn't know all the theology. I didn't know all the apologetics, but they saw that confidence in my newfound faith. And from that, I got, got, I got asked about, well, why are you like this? What is causing this difference in you? Um, and I, I can't say that I got to make new believers of all my friends uh, in that time of my life, but it still stands that they saw a very clear and marked difference in me. Whether it's through your words, through your actions, through your countenance, if you are confident in Christ, he will be clearer in you. There's no stopping it. It's going to take hold of your life. If you're in Christ, you will draw close to him. You will grow confident in him, and people will take notice. And we have no better example of this confidence than in Jesus himself, right? Has anyone in here watched the TV show The Chosen? Anyone? You know, a few of us, right? Um, Say what you will about the show. I, I think it's a very captivating show that really does one thing that no other representation of Jesus does in a lot of media, and that's it, it kind of humanizes Jesus, right? Like if anyone grew up watching the old Jesus videos and everything like that, like Jesus was kind of this figure who didn't ever smile, and he was very staunch and rigid and very holy. And, um, and what, what the TV show The Chosen does is it shows a Jesus who laughs, It shows a Jesus who dances. It shows a Jesus who jokes. And what I love about this depiction of Jesus is that all of those things that humanize him does not take away from his calm and cool authority that he has in every situation that he finds himself in. 
that he is never out of control. He is never flustered. He exudes confidence that comes from his assurance in, the, in his station as the son of God. And in the Bible, people didn't miss this either. It was pretty clear. In fact, uh, after delivering his famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, it says this about the people, that they were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority. In every situation that Jesus was in, he exuded authority. He exuded confidence. Jesus didn't have to muster up confidence. He didn't have a false bravado. It wasn't his knowledge. It wasn't his charisma. It was the clarity and conviction that he had in his station that was the source of his confidence. And his confidence pointed to the truth that he could be trusted with your confidence, with my confidence. The disciples placed their confidence in him. Paul placed his confidence in him. And to this day, many who hear his words place their confidence in him. And what, what, what good news this is that we can still place our confidence in him today. Amen? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I want to I ask us a question. Is if you, could, if you could have this confidence tomorrow, I mean, heck, if you, could, if you could even have it today as you leave this place to be able to act in boldness without fear of rejection, without fear of loss, what would you do? And what would your life look like if you had full confidence in what the Bible says? Man, maybe you'd speak more boldly in your workplace or in your school about things that are right. Maybe you'd finally be willing to step into the pain and the brokenness of a loved one's life. Um, and maybe for some of us, it would, it would be finally engaging in a conversation with our neighbors about the differences in what we believe. Well, I want to tell you, church, that the good news is that you have access to that confidence today. The good news is that for those who have trusted in Jesus as the true source of flourishing and true confidence, that he has given you his Holy Spirit. And 2 Timothy says that, that, that uh, talks about the kind of spirit he has given us. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And even verse 6 in our text points to this, that he has made us sufficient to be ministers. You are not becoming ministers. It's not one day you will be a minister, but you are in Christ. You have been made sufficient. You are sufficient today. You are a minister today. That should give us confidence that we don't have to be sufficient of ourselves, but, we, but God has made us sufficient in Christ. And what kind of confidence and swagger comes with this position of being a minister? Well, Cotton Mather, who was an American Puritan, he was a writer and pastor. In this work that he wrote, The Student and the Preacher, he says this about the office of minister. It is such an honorable, important, and useful office that if a man be put into it by God and made faithful and successful through life, he may look down with disdain upon a crown and shed a tear of pity on the brightest monarch on earth. Wow. No crown could compare to being a minister. No title, no office is higher than that of being a minister. And there is nothing in this world more worthy of your confidence than Christ, who has made you sufficient to be a minister. This is our confidence. 
And so real quickly, I want to address just a couple uh, things that I hear very often because we, um, unfortunately, we are a people who lack confidence in Christ all the time, aren't we? And I'm like that. There are so many moments where I just don't trust him with a result or trust him with a conversation. And uh, I just want to address a, a couple things that I hear fairly often. Um, and I'm counting myself in this as well, guys. So I'm not just preaching to y'all, I'm preaching to me. The first thing that I hear is that, man, John, I'm, I'm just afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm just, I'm just scared I don't really have all the answers, so I, I can't be confident as a minister. I, I want to tell you, I promise you, if you are intaking and ingesting all the right things, what comes out of you is going to be right things. That you can trust that if you are taking part of the gathering every Sunday and hearing the good news and that you are reading your Bible, guys, read your Bible. That's half of it, I promise you. If you read your Bible and you ingest this, all that's going to come out of you is truth. This book can be trusted. Uh, second thing that I hear, well, I don't want to make things awkward. I don't want to cross that like pain line with my friends where there's that point of no return. Um, and you have to understand this, is that if we believe what we say that we believe, it is well worth that pain point. That if we truly love our friends and our neighbors in the way that the Bible calls us to, it is worth it to share the love of Jesus with them. And to be honest, in my experience, when I've had those conversations with my loved ones, with neighbors, 99% of the time, it ends in a better mutual understanding of each other. Very few times, if any, if I can remember, have I been completely rejected and cut out of their lives. It usually just doesn't happen. Um, and the last thing is, uh, how do I get better at this? I want to grow in confidence, but I just, I just need practice. How, how can I practice this? Well, I, I think a lot of us have already practiced that today. Um, as we had just kind of our family time before Josh came up and gave announcements, so many of us just got to share the joy of the gospel with each other just by greeting one another. And sometimes that looks like, well, hey, I just want to share what God has done in my life this week. That's practicing preaching the gospel. You know, maybe it's saying, I need to humble myself before someone else, and I, I just need prayer. That's practicing preaching the gospel. Sorry, I'm getting all stuffed up. And then, um, man, we, we also have so many other opportunities in the church for us to do this. One of the great ways that we can do this is by serving in our kids' ministry. We always need volunteers in our kids' ministry, but what a great way to practice preaching the gospel. We give you what you have to say, and the kids pretty much aren't going to question it. They're just going to listen to it. That's a great way to practice preaching the gospel, you know? And you don't have to worry about getting it wrong because we give you what you need. Um, maybe it looks like joining a path group in the church that you need to practice preaching the gospel by confessing your sin to one another, humbling yourself, and saying, hey, I need help in my life. It's another great way you can practice preaching the gospel. And maybe it's just inviting people into community with hospitality. That's another beautiful way of preaching the gospel. Jesus does it all the time. There's so, so many ways that you can practice and grow your confidence. And the great thing about this confidence that we have in Christ is that there are so many other ways that we can be confident because there are so many other things besides preaching the gospel that are just bearing down our necks as believers, right? But we can be sure of our confidence even in death, right? That we are confident because of what Christ has done and his victory that he has won over death that we get to share in that. That we no longer have to worry about having enough 
of something, whether it's money or anything like that, that we can trust that Christ supplies our every need. That we can be confident that even when other people turn away from us and they shun us, that all the fellowship that we need is in Christ. We can be confident in him in so many ways. Now, at the beginning of our gathering, I asked you guys just to think of a time that you lacked confidence. And uh, just inversely now, I would love for you guys to just think of a time that you had a lot of confidence, right? Um, You know, some of us, that might might be hard to think of. Some of us might have that moment clear in our mind. Um, But for me, um, I have a very, very vivid picture of when I was confident. Uh, the date was November 21st of 2020, and uh, some of my friends in this room know that this was the day of my wedding. Um, you might be asking, like, John, why were you confident on the day of your wedding? You know, well, number one, I, I look good. Don't, don't get me wrong. I look real good. I had a sharp haircut. It didn't look like this. I was wearing a sharp suit and all these things, and so that would kind of, you know, made me feel a little bit good about myself. I was feeling pretty confident, but, but legitimately, um, the reason why I could walk up to that altar, so confident that day, was because of what happened about seven months prior to that when I asked my wife to marry me. Because I asked her to marry me, and what did she say? She said yes. And so I knew that as long as I didn't screw anything up in that seven months, that she was going to say yes again on that day. And what, what's funny about this, and, and she might be a little embarrassed that I say this, but um, so she actually knew that she was going to marry me when she told me that she loved me however long before that. Now, I'll be honest. I had said that I loved her way before she told me, and so some of you know how awkward that can feel. Um, but um, she was convinced that the day that she told me that she loved me, that she was going to marry me. And so that's what caused me to feel confident on the day of my wedding because my wife had already given me the assurance that she was going to marry me. Isn't this so much like what the Lord has done for us? That for those in Christ, he is our confidence. And we can be sure of that because of what Jesus has done for us. That Jesus, all those years ago, declared his love and his intent to save us by dying on a cross for our sins. He so loved us. He invited us into his family by this. We can be confident in this church. And and I want to say that if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, if you're in this room and and not sure about all of this, um, know that this offer is on the table for you. That this confidence, free from fear, free from judgment, is available to you right now. God is calling you into this. All you have to do is trust him. Uh, If that's you, and I'd love to have a conversation with you after this. Uh, Any of our pastors would love to talk to you. Um, But just know that 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 confidence is available in Jesus. So in closing today, I want to read over us a prayer from a book called The Valley of Vision. Uh, If you don't know what The Valley of Vision is, it's uh, simply just a collection of prayers uh, from the old Puritans. And so as I read this, there are going to be words in there that I'm going to stumble over because it's kind of old-timey and all that stuff. But, um, but the intent of this prayer is to simply declare to God that we have nothing in ourselves to be confident in, 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 but we can be confident 
in him. So would you pray with me, church? Unchangeable Jehovah, when I am discouraged in my ministry and full of doubts of myself, fasten me upon the rock of thy eternal election. Then my hands will not hang down, and I shall have hope for myself and others. Thou dost know thy people by name, and wilt at the appointed season lead them out of a natural to a gracious state by thy effectual calling. This is the ground of my salvation, the object of my desire, the motive of my ministry. Keep me from high thoughts of myself or my work, for I am nothing but sin and weakness. In me no good dwells, and my best works are but sin. Humble me to the dust before thee. Root and tear out the poisonous weed of self-righteousness, and show me my utter nothingness. Keep me sensible of my sinnership. Sink me deeper into penitence and self-abhorrence. Break the dagon of pride in pieces before the ark of thy presence. Demolish the babble of self-opinion and scatter it to the wind. Level to the ground my Jericho walls of a rebel heart. Then grace. Grace will be my experience and cry. I am a poor, feeble creature when faith is not an exercise, like an eagle with pinioned wings. Grant me to rest on thy power and faithfulness and to know that there are two things worth living for, to further thy cause in the world and to do good to the souls and bodies of men. This is my ministry, my life, my prayer, my end. Grant me grace that I shall not fail. Amen.